Hello and welcome to the Swan Song Project podcast. My name is Ben Buddy Slack and I'm the founder of the Swan Song Project and the host of this podcast. Swan Song Project is a charity that gives people living with terrible illnesses or dealing with bereavement the opportunity to write and record their own original song. We believe in celebrating lives, making memories and leaving legacies. If you'd like to find out more about the charity and ways you might get involved, you can hear some of the songs, you can check out our website which is swansongproject.co.uk. This podcast features songwriters and we talk about one of their songs, they tell me a bit about how they wrote it, they share with us a songwriting tip and we also talk about a song that's meaningful to them in some way relating to bereavement. This episode features Peter Spafford and we talk about his Song Portraits project. I hope you enjoy it. Okay, today I'm here with Peter Spafford. Thanks for joining me, Pete. Hi, nice to see you, Ben. Thank you. I'm looking forward to talking to you. Uh, so this is Swan Song Project podcast. If you've listened to these before, uh, you'll know we do them in three parts. First, we're going to have one of my guest songs. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about how they wrote it. Section two, Pete's going to share with us a songwriting tip that might be useful for the songwriters. And then section three, we're going to talk about a song that's meaningful to Pete in some way relating to bereavement. Um, so I'll ask you to introduce your song for us, please, Pete. Well, this is a song, it's called Song for Dorothy, and it's, um, it's part of a, a sequence of songs that I wrote in the summer uh, in a project called Song Portraits. Um, so, Song Portraits is a, yeah, I had the idea of, I've been doing poem portraits for a long time, for about six or seven years, and that really involves me sitting with somebody for, I don't know, half an hour, three quarters of an hour, uh, and at the end of that, writing a poem, which I then draft up with that person so that they're happy with it. And it's kind of a picture of a, a person in poetry at that moment in their lives. And I was thinking, hmm, I'd love to try songs because I write songs and try a song portrait. And the lockdown seemed like a good time to do it, and especially with people, older people who are not connected to the Internet. So I thought, well, let's do it by phone. So we, it was all very analog, really, in a way. We just... Uh, I had conversations with with different people um, over a few months, few weeks, and then wrote a song for them about them, and then they corrected it, amended it, contributed to it in draft, which was a really satisfying process. And uh, and at the end of it, I had ten songs which I'd recorded at home, and I, I, it's just me playing and and singing. Some of them are a bit more elaborately done. I learned a lot about production and all the rest of it, which I didn't in uh, I didn't know before, and I used. Um, my son Owen, who's a fiddle player, on a couple of the tracks, and uh, and another vocalist who was visiting. So, but mostly it was just me writing and playing them. And obviously, the working with the the subjects, the cities, that the the older people who um who I spoke to on the phone. Yeah. And this one is called for Dorothy, and it's about yeah, it's it's for Dorothy who lives in New Farnley. Song for Dorothy. It's as my dad would always say If at first you don't succeed If at first it doesn't work Come at it another way She had a dream, my mum Said she wanted one of her daughters to be a nurse But high school wasn't me. So I went to work at a tailor's in George Street Trained to be a seamstress Made my own way 
wasn't going to be a nurse. So I started on my own, a preschool playgroup from home. Always wanted to do that, a place for the children to play and a monster chat. I was also a guide captain. Bringing up children, there's no secret to it. All children are different, all families have their own. If a child's in the sandpit, another child knocks down a castle. But look, you say, I'll help you build it again. Build another castle. I have four great grandchildren. You keep thinking they've forgotten to ring. But then you do. They're just young. And whatever age you are, this has not been an easy thing. Take your time with a song. It's fine as long as I don't have to sing. It will come in time. It will come in time. As my dad would always say, if at first you don't succeed, if at first it doesn't work, come at it another way. It's as my dad would always say, if at first you don't succeed, if at first it doesn't work. Okay, brilliant. So that was a song for Dorothy by Peter Spafford and Dorothy, I'm assuming, as part of the Song Portraits project. Um, so yeah, it sounds like a great project for you. Um, I was interested in you, so you're saying it came from the, pe the po poem portraits, was what it was yeah. called, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, what was your initial inspiration for starting that? And how is how similar is it to doing the song ones? And how much of a transition was it in terms of like your process? Well, um, I suppose the song portraits, I'd underestimated how long they would take mm. as opposed to writing a poem. I mean, you know, poems take a while <clears throat> to get it right, certainly. But um, with the song, I, it's, it's, as you know, it's, it's, uh, it's not just the words, it's the music as well. And I, I really wanted to find a musical style in each case that was suited to that particular person and what they'd said to, to me. Um, so, and I also did a bit of fishing with the older person in terms of what they liked to listen to. Mm -hmm. So, um, so, if, you know, if somebody was really into country and western, I tried to sort of get a feel that, that for that. So there's one, one chap called Mark who, who was obsessed with numbers. He was, he loved numbers. Um, that was his thing. You know, he loved, 
he was very much a statistician, <laughs> but um, he was also really into Elvis. And he and he and he had, he he's he's done various Elvis impersonations over the time. So I managed to work a bit of a uh, an Elvis song and a, a sort of a bit of Elvis echo in his voice on, on my voice. And so it really to uh, yeah to kind of be as true as possible to that person's. Um, character, if you like, but also their musical taste. But then that takes time, and and also, of course, then 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 arranging it and playing it, finding out all sorts of stuff about Garage Band, as I said to you before, that I didn't really know, but it was useful to to learn. And then, of course, there's the whole process of um, of which also is true with poem portraits, but with the song again, it's slightly trickier. Reflecting, I had to somehow get the song to the person now not every but obviously they weren't on the internet um the most of the participants so i had to do a cd so I, my 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 part of this project was me cycling it over <laughs> wherever it was <laughs> and I, I would hand over a cd um but of course also um you know i thought well, maybe somebody doesn't have a cd play because you know people don't so anyway but all that sort of needed sorting out and then there was the person <laughs> feeding back on that on the song and on the lyric and I had to change it. And of course, once you've demoed the song, you have to change the lyric and then do another recording of it. So, I mean, it, it's a longer process and I hadn't anticipated how long it would take, but it was a very, very satisfying um, process. Um, as the poem portrays is too, but yeah, it, it tested me in, in ways that uh, I hadn't anticipated. And, and uh, you know, obviously through being tested, you kind of grow a bit in what you're doing. and. I really enjoyed that aspect of it, the fact that I just learned so much about songwriting, but also and also about those participants because because mm. they were very generous in what in what they uh, you know in, in the way that they were very open with me and what they, what they talked about me really. Yeah. So it's a, it's a similar process, but more elaborate. Probably with time, it would take shorter time, you know. But mm. it, uh, yeah. I think yeah yeah I find like I've been through a similar process with Swan Song of the when you're trying to tailor each song to the different person's tastes it's a great journey then of like like say knowing what songs they like to listen to and then studying them as a songwriter yourself and trying to think right well how can we use these tools Um, but you're right it is challenging it can take a long time sometimes to to figure things out Um, so what can you tell us specifically about about the song for Dorothy what was uh, the process of writing that one like well, Dorothy was um, is quite a modest person. She's she, and it's. I mean, I, I all all the songs, all the, the, the with each process, there was some people were very very good at talking about themselves. Actually, most were very modest, and I had to do a bit of drawing out. So Dorothy took maybe a couple of phone calls before she really talked about what she'd done in her life in terms of um, you know she had been trained as a seamstress you know she was got married at 21 but she'd always had she had an ambition to be to work with children and how she made that happen in her life she was very understated about um but she set up her own nursery and and i think by all sounds of it was just extraordinary but not somebody to 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 at all crow about her achievements so i wanted to make the song um uh, as colloquial as possible, using her words, and I know in Swan Song it's the same same principles for you. But it's that thing of using the cadences of people's speech and using their phrases. And with Dorothy, I really she talked very eloquently about her life, and you know, uh, I just wanted to, to 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 catch that in some way without, and also to catch the unpretentiousness of her. 
and I wanted to do that and I thought just a piano and a voice would be the best way to do that with Dorothy. Whereas with other songs, as with the Elvis one, it was much more, you know, <laughs> much, <laughs> much more going on with that. But um, with this, it was just, um, yeah, just piano and voice. And I thought that that, that was much more Dorothy really. Um, and um, yeah, so, uh, and she had this lovely phrase. She said, you know, as my dad would always say, you know, if, if at first you don't succeed, you know, come in, come in it another way, come in it another way. You know, you, if you don't, if you can't get what you really want, then don't give up, just come around the side, do something, find a way of doing what you want to do. It may not be the obvious thing, it may not be the first idea that still enables you to be fulfilled. And I thought that was a really beautiful, beautiful sentiment in her life, really. And uh, I've, in, fact, in fact, all the cities, Ben, you know, had a, and again, I think you found that with Swan Songs too, that people have a, come up sometimes with these nuggets of gold, really, about how, how, how to live a life and get the most out of a life. And, uh, I just very modestly and you know in a very undeclared way people have a lot of wisdom yeah yeah that's definitely yeah, something I agree with completely and uh, and it's always like it feels like such a privilege to have those conversations I always think that because um, sometimes like it takes a bit of digging like when people can be a bit modest at first and like you kind of but once you start really talking to someone and that those bits of wisdom come out it's just it feels kind of really special to have uh, and that yeah it's not it's that everyone has those bits in their own in their own way and it's yeah it's a real real privilege to do how do you um do you have the do you have like a set structure that you use for the conversations do you just go in and just um see where they go or do you have like you know like a framework almost that you're looking for with your certain questions you use or is it all kind of played by you question i i i to be honest with you i did play it much Quite a lot by year because mm. um, I started usually with the present. And I start because we were in have been in very particular circumstances. You know, it's uh, my first questions probably be about you know how have you been the last few weeks? How are you finding it? You know, are you getting out? And so people would to sort of draw people eventually away from the present to um, maybe to talk about the past a bit, or to talk about their aspirations for the future. Um, and again, it, it took a bit of digging, you're quite right. I mean, it's, um, there's one woman called Betty who, you know, I think in the second or third conversation, she said, yeah, she suddenly came up with this thing. If I let, you know, my, my neighbor does my shopping and I, she's, I, I, I let my bag down, my plastic bag down on a, on a line, on a, on a piece of string. And then she takes the bag and then she loads it up and then I haul it up from my balcony. And I just thought that was, you know, it took about two or three conversations to get to that point where she gave me that gift of an image. So the song was called Lifeline in the end because it was, and that's, it became about friendship and, it, you know, the lifeline of friendship and the phone line and sort of, it, you know, and it's so, I think, yeah, I didn't have a frame. It, things kind of worked their way towards, towards the right image to take away for the song or the right phrase to build the song around. And sometimes that would take a while. Um, I think if I'd had a questionnaire, yeah, it wouldn't have been as satisfying. And I don't think it worked actually. I think people also sense that. I'm sure you, again, you, you, you found this. So if people sense that it's like a market research thing on the street, they, they're resistant to it. But if you really listen and, and, and go with that flow, I think more, more will come. Yeah, definitely. I think, I think you're right. I think that there's like, there is a way of doing songs that way where like it's follow this step-by-step -step guideline. But that's not a way of writing the songs that are that are properly personal and meaningful. Because I think, like, say, to have them, you need to have that connection 
and allow these things to just unfurl as they do. Um, I think it's that. often the, sorry Ben, no, I was going to say it's also, also, it's almost like the asides, the people, mm. the things that people say almost incidentally, you know, um, that I think you really have to be on the alert for and those come out of conversation. Yeah, yeah, when people are relaxed and enjoying the conversation, because it's, it's the same way when you're writing your own songs, oh, it certainly is for me, um, that when you're like, right, I'm going to write a song now, it's really hard to get any ideas out. But then when you're just kind of like letting things flow, that's when the good nuggets come out and that's when the original and the interesting ideas come from. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah it's a great project. Do you have, um, how long do they take you in terms of like, how much time do you spend with the person? Do you have a set amount of conversations or do you just kind of, again, just see how it goes and <laughs> play it by ear? Um, no, but very much playing it by ear. I think probably on average, I had maybe four conversations and each one maybe sort of 20 minutes to half an hour. Uh, and would you work on the songs between the conversations or would you have all your conversations and then go and work on the song? I think I would, well, uh, yeah, usually I would have the conversations and then, and obviously take notes as I was having the conversations and then I would, uh, I'd go, right, thanks very much. And I'm Dorothy, I'm going to come back to you with the draft of a song. It'll be in a week or two. And then there'd be a little bit of a gap and I'd deliver the song um, or I'd, so occasionally there'd be something I wanted to check up on. You know, it's that thing mm. of, did, they, did Dorothy really say that? And was yeah. she, you know, was she there? And I think that for me was the really, really great thing about, I mean, it's happened with poem portraits too, but particularly in this project, that, that, that the way that people take ownership of it so that <laughs> when I asked people if they wanted to change anything, because my phrase is that I wanted to sit right with you. You know, it has to sit right. If, nothing, if something doesn't sit right, then tell me. And Dorothy actually made a really interesting, she said, because at one point I'd got, if a, if, a, if a kid is in the sand pit, another kid knocks down her castle, look, you know, I'll help you build it again. You build another castle rather than tell the other kid off. And she said, and I had something about, so I used the word kid. And then she got back to me and said, I'm really sorry, but I don't use the word kid. Mm -hmm. I never used the word kid. I used the word child. And I thought, yeah absolutely right because it's otherwise it's not it's not you it's it's somebody else i'm writing about so you feel slightly chastened but actually but you know she was so nice about it so that was one instance but also she said something else that was really really anyway i mean i can't remember but there was just a slight alteration which for me indicated that that that, that she had really taken it on that it was important to her. And I think Etta was a woman I wrote. Um, she comes from a Caribbean background. She was, she was, she was very much involved. She, she, she discovered the internet over lockdown. She said, I was, you know, she, her phrase was, I was a lunatic to the internet before, before, before lockdown, before COVID. And COVID has made me discover this world of the internet. So she downloads recipes of the Caribbean spice buns and all the rest of it. But she really, really, wanted me to get get it right and actually she put me through it and I'm but it's a better song because of that but yeah. you know I'd get emails from Etta when she said no that's not right yeah and that's not right and could you do that and could you do that but you know that's what it's about and if you go into that process um with eyes open and you invite that then you expect it and you've got to deal with it yeah that's brilliant but I think you've got the right attitude with it completely and uh, <laughs> I always think it's so interesting with like say those those kind of two words that might mean the same thing to one person but don't to another 
yeah. and how important it is to get those specific ones right. And it's, you know, it's been a testament to it shows how comfortable they they are with working with you, that they're willing to, because also it can be difficult for the person to make those, you know, minor adjustments that might seem silly to someone else. But they, but you're right, it has to sound like their voice, otherwise it's kind of, we're missing the point of the process, aren't we? If we're yeah. writing the song for them, you need, they need to be happy with the way it sounds. And it's, yeah, I mean, I've had it in, like, in interviews and things where like someone's written something that you've said, and it's just like it's just slightly off and you're like that's just not the way i'd say it and you feel a bit weird about it um and with a song that's in this situation it's just even more so yeah no it's really, really important to get it right and i think it's as you say just one word out of place or one word that doesn't feel real to them and you've created a bit of a you can feel a sort of distance open up i think and they wouldn't then sort of own the song or want want it to be heard because it's okay but and also you know actually the nice thing about the Oracle song was that, that she said oh my my, my family, my daughter heard it. She said, yeah, that's you. Yeah. And I thought, mm, that's okay. So she's not saying, it's a great song, which is, you know, <laughs> she's saying, which, you know, I wouldn't expect anyway. But yeah, that's you. That's fine. That's, that, that does it for me. You know, however much you want people to be, you know, a bit gushy about something you've done. Actually, it means far, far more when somebody just says it's, it's true or it's right, yeah. you know, in this instance anyway. Yeah. No, it's been a lovely project. Actually, I've really, really enjoyed it, and it's, and uh, you know, I'd like to roll it out and do some more. Um, I'm going to apply for some funding to 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 expand it and and to involve other musicians to play on the songs and to arrange and to to make it to to broaden it out in terms of participation of other other musicians and maybe really try and target particular communities in the city too so i'm that's a project i'm just building up to building up my strength and to uh, go through all that application process which is not my thing <laughs> yeah yeah it's a difficult part of these kind of projects isn't yeah. it? but it's got to be done so you say you've done you say you've done 10 of them so far actually i did nine no. i said i was going to do eight leads inspired i should say this leads inspired funded it which was and they they've been very supportive of it and they i said i'd do eight but I, I did nine in the end because I didn't want to disappoint the ninth person. And also I did a 10th song, which was a, a setting of some letters, letters between an older person and a younger person in a fantastic project called Pens to Pals set up by Fall Into Place Theatre in uh, Seacroft. And they set up a lovely, during lockdown, a lovely correspondence process, but, uh, you know, older people and children corresponding. And I just, as a way of warming up to the song portraits, I, I set some extracts from from those letters uh, in the song, so I included those in the portraits. Yeah, yeah. And are these available online somewhere where people can find yeah. more information, listen to them? The well, they are. They're in under my moniker, which is Edible Tent. So that's that's what I tend to do stuff under my when I do things on my own. So Edible Tent um, at SoundCloud. So cool. if you that's one. But I am planning to put, to make an album, put it on Bandcamp, and try and raise a bit more money towards the next process as well but yeah we'll put all the links in the description anyway so anyone listening to this wants to go and check them out they can do and find out some more about the project and yeah i hope it um hope you get some more funding and can roll it out further that's a similar thing what we've started doing with swan song is using affiliate artists and one of the i mean something i always kind of wanted to do because the workload can become um difficult for one person and the the variety of genres as we were talking about that was always a big thing for me like if someone wants wants a jazz song um, I, I know one jazz card. I'd rather be able to say, like, right, let's get, let's get a proper jazz musician in to do this rather than my uh, my poor rendition of it. So hopefully, yeah, I'll put a couple of as well for you and you get some more um, funding to roll it out. And you. And yeah, you. thank you. Yeah.
Uh, so let's move into section two now, shall we? This is where I ask my guests for a, a songwriting tip. Uh, so what would your tip be for us, Well, I suppose I, I sometimes think I can get into, if I write my own songs, I often get into um, a kind of pattern. You know, I know mm. my, I know the chords I play. I, you know, I don't know. I, I slip into the verse, chorus, middle eighty thing, and and a little while ago, I, I, I suppose, I got, I got a bit bored with that. I got a bit stale. I wasn't writing stuff that I was happy with, and um, so I started to take um, lyrics from other people or this or words from other places that weren't my own words, and so I started to set poems actually that um, and sometimes poems that, that didn't necessarily rhyme or had some sort of um, uh, that, that appealed to me that spoke to me in some way and, and as, as particularly as music but um, well, there weren't sort of standard songs in terms of mm. verses and structure and actually that really shifted me on in terms of um, it made me write differently it made me um, sort of make sort of shapes and, and sort of chords chordal sort of structures and that I hadn't done before so I would say I suppose in terms of um in terms of a tip I would say to songwriters you know try that try taking either somebody else's words or a piece of just prose you know uh and really um and responding to that mm-hmm. because you'll get some up subject matter if you're bored of your own subject matter and I actually I do get bored of there's a certain amount of that I I I, I, I want to say and, and actually you know most of the time I've got a lot to say about my life I my fairly fairly dull life but it's but um uh yeah so it helps with subject matter but also it helps push me in musical directions that mm-hmm. I hadn't anticipated and that really was a turning point for me about I don't know six seven years ago when I started playing uh, Richard Ormrod and that yeah that, so that's been something I found really useful um and when I do write songs that are about me now, I usually again slip into those patterns and I tend not to do it actually. And that's also why I really love writing songs about other people because the phrases that they say and the person says that you take and then set to music um, won't all, won't necessarily be singable in their original, mm. <laughs> you know, they're not song phrases quite often. So that again pushes you to accommodate that lyric with a piece of this music that you perhaps is slightly out of your your box and um, so and also as I say in terms of subject matter I'm writing about somebody else so that that is my subject I don't have to you know sort of come up with something myself which I I tend to put to I, I write poetry as well and I tend to do that in poetry now and I tend to write songs which are about other people or are settings with people's lyrics or, or poems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. That's really interesting. Um, yeah, because I, I find that like with my own stuff, it's, it's again doing the same thing, following the same patterns, and using similar chords, similar structures, things like that. And I find it easier to mix up the music than I do to mix up my, my style of writing. You know, like, so it's easy to say, like, right, well, I'm going to throw in a different type of chord I've not used before. I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm not going to use a middle eight in this song. I'm just going to do, or I'm not going to use a chorus here. You know? use that kind of stuff but then i still find that i have a, a particular way of writing lines and using rhyme patterns that it's quite hard to break so then using something like that where you choose a poem or something where the wording is completely different to the way you might do it does throw you in very different directions i've not done a lot of it myself um but it's something i would like to try more of and do you use would you use a whole poem 
for a whole song or would you use like part of a poem and then you know write another section to go along with it well that's that's a good question i sometimes i i use a whole poem and then i might use one particular i mean because quite often songs do cry out for a chorus or some mm. kind, some kind of hook or some kind of refrain so i'll take maybe one line or two lines and that cry that sort of speak to me and um and use them as a chorus um i mean sometimes there are you know copyright questions because you know living poets particularly famous ones who published in books uh, uh you know you have to be a bit careful with all that but um i mean there's there's a tradition of this anyway i mean it's you know in even sort of classical um com composers you know schubert or uh you know they have now think as well they, they they take a they take a poem by by a, a contemporary poet and then they would repeat a line or sometimes leave outlines actually and so or even even change it slightly i mean there is there, there is precedent for it i'm not comparing myself to schubert by the way but but you know what i mean it's it's there the, you can you can fool around to some extent but it does help if the poet's been dead for over 70 years <laughs> then you don't have to contend i have i have got permission from poets though to uh, i mean recently for a project i did i, I asked jackie Kay if i could borrow a some like just six lines from one of her poems and she was totally fine with that so um yeah i, I it, it varies but i yeah sometimes i use a whole poem sometimes just a few lines or just a section or repeat a section and uh, yeah so i'm a bit, bit i did had this once i did this weird thing where i i, I wanted to set some some t.s Eliot poems and i i didn't think about it i just thought i want to do this i love the wasteland it's a big big poem he wrote in the 20s so I set some chunks of that and then Richard and I recorded it and you know and then I, I thought well I better check on the copyright anyway Pat you probably know this but T.S. Eliot in his will he, he said no nobody ever must take my poem and set them to music um, <laughs> so I thought what do I do so I got into T.S. Eliot society and I said look and he said okay and they said no we will take you to court. Well, I mean, they were really heavy about it. Wow. So we'd already recorded <laughs> the album. So, then I, so basically, we just kept the music. And then I had to rewrite the lyrics on the template of T.S. Eliot, basically. So it sounds a bit like T.S. Eliot, but it's not T.S. Eliot. Um, so, uh, yeah, that was a bit disastrous. So I would, if, if you are a, if you are a, a songwriter looking to set poems, I would yeah, just check the, the copyright situation. Yeah. And you, know, you can use it as just an exercise, can't you, if you're not going to do anything with them anyway, regardless. I don't know about T.S. Eliot's uh, thing. Well, the um, thing is, sorry, just to, just to, to, to Andrew, because yeah. somebody will say, oh, what about cats then? But, you know, because Andrew or Lloyd Webber set cats, which is, all, which is, you know, all T.S. Eliot poems about cats. But apparently, and they still said, no, he's not allowed to. He just pays the fee every year. Oh, well. <laughs> he pays the fee, <laughs> which is God knows how much. It's probably about a million quid, but he can afford it. Wow. <laughs> I didn't know that. Um, I've known a real Bob Dylan fix recently. I read a book um, called Why Dylan Matters, which was a um, it was written by a professor, um, and it was all about comparing Dylan to the great poets and about how Dylan uses um, poet you know great poems in his in his own work. But the way he does it, where it's it's not not quite plagiarism, but <laughs> like yeah. what they call it, in, intertextualizing or something like that was uh, a phrase he used yeah, for it. Yeah. Um, but then it went into quite a lot of detail about how he does it in some of the songs, and it was it just fascinated me. Um, so like, do you know the song Highlands? Don't 
it's off time out of mind. It's what I think it's, it was his first like epic one. I think it's like sixteen minutes, um, but that's inspired by Robert Burns' poem, "And My Heart's in the Highlands," and he's done it over and over again. Where like I mean, there's loads of like little references in different songs, but where he's taken one like that, where it's a, a great poem, and then he's kind of expanded on it in his own way, um, and it's fascinating. But there was an interview with Dylan where he mentioned in the book where he'd said that people think this is easy, but it's actually it's actually really hard to take a something like that and then use it in a way which you're not just stealing it but you kind of you know uh, bringing it forward in a way if that makes yeah, sense yeah, so you're yeah, trying yeah, to kind yeah. of capture the same spirit or something from that piece of work and reference it but also add to it in some way so you're saying i'm not ripping it off i'm i'm, I'm, I'm yeah adding to the tradition <laughs> yeah yeah that's right fair enough fair enough yeah well if yeah. I, and the, yeah nobody's gonna be tackling dylan if they are they might ask him for a well you, would you mind contributing to the uh, robert burns foundation i'm sure yeah. he would, they would be ha quite happy with rather like the uh, t.s Eliot society <laughs> i hope they don't get on to you about this anyway <laughs> yeah great stuff um cool so let's move into section three now shall we this is where i ask my guests for songs meaningful to them in some way related to bereavement and what i do here is i put the link in the description uh so anyone listening to this can uh, go and check it out if you're not familiar with the song and then come back and we can have a chat about it uh so what song did you choose for us Pete? well i chose a song called gracias a la vida which means thank you life in spanish um and uh sung by mercedes sosa and um, i first heard the song when i was traveling in brazil um this is years ago in the 80s and i was in the middle of nowhere i was um in the mato grosso which is the size of like a it's the size of Wales or something, and it's right in the, in the middle of Brazil. It's just marshland uh, and where alligators live. And I'd gone there and I was feeling actually quite lonely. I've been traveling on my own for a long time. And I was, I was lying in a hammock outside um, this hostel. I suddenly heard this voice singing came, coming out of the, the hostel. And I thought, what? Sometimes, I don't know, you might have had this, Ben, but I, I, I heard, I mean, the same, I had the same feeling when I first heard German Armour trading, actually. I thought, what? It's a sort of ungendered. I thought, is this a man or a woman? I've never heard anything like this before. And, and it was just that I asked, and the woman inside, she said, oh, it's Mercedes Sosa, and she, she's an Argentinian singer, very well known in, in Argentina. But, um, and the song is by Violeta Parra, who was very much involved in the Chilean revolution in 1973 when Pinochet took over and wrote a lot in exile and so um, and it's really a kind of a farewell I think Violeta Parra died I think she committed suicide the following year so it's her farewell to life which Mercedes Sosa sings but it's a it's just a list of things in life that she loves you know from very simple household things you know making a good tea to you know lying with your loved one to the summer breeze it's a, it's a and i suppose yeah i mean i i, I it's it feels although I've, you've asked for a song that is somehow connected with bereavement and death it feels like a song that is a kind of farewell to life but it's also a song about really appreciating the great things in life and i think that i think the thing about death for me i've had a few really close friends die in the last few years um is that um you know it's a terrible thing when a close friend dies but at the same time the only thing we can take from it is a, an urgency to live because we're alive, we're still here and to make the most of it. So that's what the song speaks to me about. Mm. And um, just to say, I mean, the, the, the recording 
with the link is um is just her yeah, and a band but there is if on spotify there is a fantastic recording of her if you can get it she does it live i think it's called a you know, concert for in buenos aires and the, the context of that is that she it was recorded in 1982 at the very end of the, the hunter you know when just after the malvinas falklands war uh, and that the hunter have been in you know, the argentinian generals have been in power for a long time she's been in a, in exile and then she comes back and at the end of the hunter and because it's things are falling apart there democracy is coming and she does this massive concert in the football park i think in, in buenos aires and it's just the most amazing version of, of and suddenly halfway through the track the audience just start to applaud and it just you know every time i hear it i just go to pieces completely but the but so if you can find that do listen to it there but on the set but it you know I, i'd listen to her do that song you know in the shower it's it's just a, a lovely song and uh, and she's she's got an amazing voice yeah yeah it's a really powerful uh, powerful piece of music and beautifully sung uh, i wasn't familiar with it before so i had listened to it and then um i didn't you know, I didn't know anything about the translation so i looked it up and read a little bit about um about it and it was interesting you know, you're saying about the original writer committing suicide it feels like it's, it's like and you know you're connecting it to bereavement in some way that it feels like a nice song that you'd kind of want someone to feel like singing at the end of the life of like thank you for and it mm -hmm. reminds me a bit of you know Leonard Cohen's last album thanks for the dance you know that thing of like you know coming to the end but thank you for everything it's been a it's been a great ride um yeah but yeah, then yeah. it just seems kind of um it's unfortunate that the writer wrote it and then ended up committing suicide uh, yeah so i'll have to check on that she, she but she certainly died very soon afterwards i think uh, i think that, i think that was what i read as well was that it was um i think it was a suicide yeah yeah and she's also a fantastic singer violetta para chillian i think but um yeah no it's very much a song about about the uh well they say that one of the secrets of being happy is being able to appreciate what you have and not also not always Kind of want something things that you don't have or to aspire to things that you've missed or regret things you haven't done and i think it's a song about yeah about appreciating the um the small things in life which are also very big things yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. so that's what you say some of the other lyrics are, are grateful for those those smaller aspects of everyday life that's your song either yeah yeah absolutely yeah 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 it's a beautiful song pete thanks for for uh, bringing it to the show uh, I'm looking forward to listening to that live version next now. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. Do you listen to a lot of music in other languages? Is that something just because it was from that trip? Well, you know, I love, I do listen to quite a bit of Brazilian music because mm. I do love the Portuguese language and it, you know, I, I really enjoyed the music in Brazil. I was there for carnival. And um, yeah, so there are some fantastic Brazilian I've I kind of, again, because of the wonders of, of the net, you know, and Spotify, I've been rediscovering um some of them and uh yeah there is some one there i mean i do listen to to brazilian music and uh yeah and portuguese and fado as well again it's portuguese language which i used to speak a bit of very very badly and now i've forgotten but it's uh you know i love fado as well it's a fantastic fado singer called caminha who i um who, who i listen to quite an album or two of hers yeah but um and some fr french songs that i like you know uh, uh but um I probably don't listen to enough in other languages, Ben, to be honest with you. We're, we, we get stuck, don't we, in, in what we listen to, but yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking the same, like there's, you know, occasionally like, there'll be an album or an artist that I'll get into the foreign, in the foreign language thing um, and just really love it. And like, I think, I know it might be similar for you, that we're both people who are, you know, 
fond of words and fond of language. So like, I think that's where it kind of just halts me sometimes is not knowing originally what a song's about lyrically. Um, mm -hmm. But then like, but then it's kind of, it's an added level of enjoyment when you get into a song, not, not, not necessarily knowing what it's about lyrically and just enjoy it for the music. And then you can study the lyrics afterwards and studying translations is always, I always find it really interesting. Cause again, you just get some interest in terms of phrase, don't you? Of, uh, yeah. The way things are done in other languages. Uh, but I think, I, I think the sad thing is that, you know, this it's the translation is sometimes a real problem. And I mean, I, I read back the, I mean, I look at the English uh, version of Gracia Salavida and it doesn't do it for me at all. But, you know, just, I mean, even just Gracia Salavida is a fantastic phrase, you know, but when you translate it to English, it's thank you life. Which you know doesn't doesn't really do it, does it? <laughs> you know. And there's also uh, what's, what's the Belgian singer um, Jacques uh, Jacques oh, what's his name? Uh, the guy who wrote Nimakita Pa. But you know he's a he, fantastic. He, you know very guttural Belgian French, and the words are absolutely wonderful in French. And people, French speakers go, yeah, you, you translate that. It's like the Rod McEwen uh, translation of you know. And then the key to power, which is if you, you know, if you leave me now on a summer's day, then oh, oh, it's awful. <laughs> uh, whereas in the in the original French, he said, you know, he talks about, you know, um, I'll be your, um, you know, if you if you let me if if, if you let me stay, that I'll uh, I'll do anything. I'll be your shadow. I'll be your the shadow of your shadow. I'll be the shadow of your dog. You know, if you let me stay. It's a craven song about being deserted. But in English, it just sounds absurd. And yet, you know, so there you go. That's the problem with translation from poetry as well. So, yeah, it's interesting. I always wondered with, have you ever heard um, Bowie doing Heroes in German, I think? It is. Yes, I have, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, I think actually it sounds really good. <laughs> it does, it, doesn't it? But I always wondered with translations of songs, like if there's, because the translation isn't necessarily going to fit with the melody exactly so then like do you stick to the melody and change the lyrics to fit the melody or do you change the melody a little bit to fit the lyrical translation it must be such an interesting job to be a, a song translator <laughs> well again with gracias a la vida it's kind of da 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 gracias a la vida so well, how do you do that in but you know yeah you'd be thank you life <laughs> yeah. doesn't work so you'd have to change the tune to, to make that work, or you'd have to come up with a, a, another phrase Slide altogether, phrase, which wasn't thank you, but then you'd lose the sense of the song. Yeah. No, it's really hard, I, I, but yeah, maybe that's a bash. That's part of the magic of songs, really, isn't it? It's like where that, what is, you know, what is it that makes this song special? Is it the the way these, obviously it's all, a lot of songs, it's everything together, and it's the way those particular words work with those particular notes and harmonies and things, but like if, so then the translation, it's, it's mixing that up, isn't it? So, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, you're destroying right. the kind of the wonderful balance within the, yeah, the sort of chemistry between a lyric and a, and a, a musical phrase. I know, mm. very hard. But maybe I should stop uh, telling people how crap they are in terms of translation and do a, a translation. <laughs> Try a translation of uh, Gracias a la Vida. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just do it in doing the original language. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'll be something. Then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, if you do, you'll have to send it over. Let me know. I'll look forward to hearing it. <laughs> have a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, thanks a lot for your time, Pete. Really appreciate it. No, it's been really nice to talk to you, Ben. Yeah, yeah. thank you very much for having me. No, it's a pleasure. And yeah, keep up the good work with Song Portraits. So keep me posted on uh, developments. And uh, do. yeah, I wish you the best of luck with that. Cheers. Thanks, Ben. Thanks a lot. Thank you. And thanks, everyone, for tuning in. I'll be back with another episode soon.